Another episode of the Inner Circle podcast. Cheryl McMahon and Bianca Chatfield with you, and very excited to be with you because, B, we did put the question out to our listeners uh, do we need to do another <laughs> podcast around this? Constellation Cup, and it was overwhelmingly, yes. Overwhelmingly, get back in the studio, you two. <laughs> what have you been Don't doing? Don't have an off-season. <laughs> no, it's good that we can now talk about the Diamonds, especially after, you know, we spent so much time this season talking about the World Cup. So it's good now that we get some more games. Australia taking on New Zealand. Uh, unfortunately, the same result from the World Cup, though, in this first Test match. I oh, know. Wasn't it tough? So we will talk through all of that. Um, and also there's been some signings, the trade in inverted brackets, period. I don't know if we can call it that. That's what it was being called, um, period, through the SSN has finished now. So we'll have a bit of a chat about the impact that that will have. Um, and one of the things that quite a few people asked me after the first game was, what was Jane Woodlands Thompson doing on the Silver Ferns bench? Yes. A lot. So we thought, well, why don't we ask her? Why don't we ask her that exact <laughs> question? I agree because I thought when she has – took the role at Collingwood that that's probably her coaching aspirations weren't there anymore or you know she's taking some time out so I just found it very interesting that now she's sitting on the sidelines has she has done some coaching in New Zealand before is that right I think she's been over there before yes, so we'll get the details some... around all that and um, exactly what her as you mentioned what her aspirations are and you know, she'll be able to take us inside the Silver Fence camp. So I'm really looking forward to that love, chat. I would just love to know like how it operates inside that camp. Like at the moment, obviously, they're winning. Things are going well. It's, it's a very uh, happy and positive culture, it seems. Um, it would have been interesting to be in there, you know, probably two years ago <laughs> when things weren't so good. Absolutely. And what I guess Jane probably doesn't have the insight as to what's changed necessarily, but obviously it is sitting in a really good position given that, you know, obviously Casey Kapoor coming out of that team was a huge one for them. Um, and, you know, how they've been able to cover that. They did just did that so well, didn't they? They did. Defensively, I thought it was. It was really impressive how they were playing. And, you know, they do have that zone. We've spoken about that so many times. Um, I thought Jane Watson comes out and she she has a go at so many bushes. She doesn't necessarily get them. But it's just every single time she's coming out and trying to have an attempt at one of those intercepts, she's just putting a little bit more fear and a little mm. bit more doubt into the Aussie attack end. And I just love the way she just plays that kind of game. And, and um, especially having Katrina Rory out at wing defence, uh, I think that was a really smart move, keeping her there and not putting her back in the circle because she has really grown into that wing defence position. Mm. Um, you know, I d- it's funny because it, the the Diamonds did not play badly. No. You know? Like they, they just, there was just some errors. They had obviously a great, what, 19, 13, third quarter. That mm. was huge for the Diamonds, but they just couldn't maintain it. And um, I don't know what it is, but for me, Sherelle, and I don't know if you agree, I want our shooters for Australia to shoot from further out. I think that is why Ekinacio and Falau do so well. They've got great timing, but they're just confident in shooting wherever they get it into the circle. And I want to see Caitlin Bassett, Gretel Tippett, Caitlin Thwaites, Tegan Phillip, if they are on the court, actually take more long shots because we're losing a lot of ball when we're trying to pinpoint it and get it right under the post. We lose a lot 
because of that. And if we just, you know, had one less pass and just shot it from the edge of the circle or, you know, a little bit in, I think we'd be so much better off for it. Yeah, and it was one of the reasons why that last turnover happened for the Australians. You know, we got their hands on the ball and got ourselves into a winning position and then New Zealand got that ball back because it was being played around a little bit more. And, and you know, it's hard to um, ignore Gretel Tippett's form. I mean, she's shooting some great numbers um, and and doing some really good work, mm. but she she almost is like another holding shooter. Um, so there were certainly times there where I was thinking, oh, Gretel, come on, use your athleticism and get some movement happening in that circle because it did seem a little bit difficult to find um, that shooting position that they obviously wanted, which is not further out. No. So, I mean, and it's, um, you know, for a long time, the Australian netball team has had shooters that are willing to shoot from that distance. So um, you would love to see that happening. And, you know, you mentioned um, Maria Falau and Ekinazio, and that that's why it's difficult to defend that circle because yeah. they can shoot and will shoot from anywhere. So it's very difficult to actually put that pressure on to cover both the front and back. And the confidence too that they have, even if they miss a goal, they still put the same, you know, they'll still take the shot from the same spot again next time the ball comes down the court. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like if we miss the goal for diamonds, you know, the next time we have to make sure it's under the post so it's a close, easier shot before we'll then get our confidence back up to shoot out. And I just remember you and Coxie, when you would play in the circle, you know, we'd always, obviously, it was all about the speed of the ball, getting it down as quickly as we could, breaking through that New Zealand zone what was it for you guys that would make you either shoot it from out or want to shoot under the post? Like, would you, you know how you, sometimes you would turn around <laughs> and throw it out. Sometimes you would just turn and shoot. What, what is it? Like, what's the decision that you make in your head to go, I'm going to do it from yeah, here? Yeah, that is a really good question. And and I think you hit on something with the New Zealand zone. It's a, it's a, it's a different thing. We don't see the zone as much in the Australian leagues. You know, teams play offline and different styles yeah. of zone, but it's different the way the New Zealanders play it. And, it is difficult to find the space and back yourself because you're kind of always looking over your shoulder to see someone like Jane Watson flying out <laughs> in the circle. You're kind of never really sure. Um, and it felt like in this game there were was some hesitation with the ball moving down. Now, when you're a goaler, when it's more difficult to get the ball in the circle, when you've been trying and working around and working it around, it adds pressure to the shot. Mm. So, you know, you talk about um, there were times when Coxie and I were playing together and with the Australian team that the ball would zippity-doo-dah down the court and then you can just turn around because it kind of feels like there's not as much pressure. Yeah, you've got because as much space it, as you that's wanted. That's it. And if it turns over, we'll just bring the ball back down again. So I think there's an element of... Um, the work that New Zealand's doing out the front to make it difficult to get it into the circle that can increase the pressure on the shot. There's there's certainly that element. Um, But I think there is just also just an element of that's what we did. You know, I've got just visions of Kath Cox shooting with her heels hanging over the, the the edge of the circle because that's just what she did. And that was what... Um, I don't know. We we just we had that attitude of just turning and backing yourself and backing that the goaler under the circle would fight for the rebound um, if, if it if it didn't go in. So I think there's a few different elements um, to that. And I mean, I actually think that the Australian. I'll ask you about this. The the diamonds defensive lineup. I mean, we are getting penalised out of oh, games. No. It's becoming. Um, 
quite uh, significant now and pronounced that in these games when we've got these international umpires, and maybe we'll talk about that as well, um, that we're getting penalised out of the game. And they actually went into that box formation. Again, it's a bit different to Mm. what New Zealand does. But that really did slow New Zealand up. We were able to stay in play. You know, I've got that vision of Ash Ash Braz coming out and getting that that intercept. Um, how, How much of a role do you think that change in defensive style plays and, and how much do we need to be doing that given we are being heavily penalised? Yeah, I, I definitely think we need to incorporate it more into our game. And the thing is, it's not it doesn't come as naturally for us as mm. Diamonds to yep. play that way. Um, and you don't have to go into a full New Zealand zone. Like you said, it's a bit more of an offline. But I thought it really worked well for them. And, mm. I th- it, and it's about you've got to – before you can fall into that positioning – you have to slow the ball down. Mm. So ideally, you want the centre pass to go behind. So you want Silver Ferns to go behind on a centre pass. Then that gives everyone in the defence and for the Australian team time to set up and be in the right position. If the wing attack is the first person to get the centre pass, you don't have enough time to Mm. fall back into it. So that's kind of the key thing that needs to happen early. Uh, And that means that the Aussie goal attack, wing attack, need to get down and put more pressure on. I I thought it worked well. I thought, you know, they were getting more hands to balls. I thought Western, especially, it's like that game of persistence. You know in the first half, you're not going to get that much. So you have to kind of keep it clean, just stay out of trouble, but put pressure Mm. on. And it's in that last half where you start to get the rewards. And that's where we saw that in the third quarter. Yes. But in the fourth quarter, we just couldn't do it. Like, we just could not. Yeah, it was really interesting, wasn't it? Because that's the feeling I had. Joe Weston, I thought, had a really solid game. Yes. Even although Amelia Anikinazio was the player of the match and (laughs) had a really huge influence. And it kind of looked like in that third quarter, Joe was really getting on top. And then Ekinazio was just able to steady again and go again. It was actually a really impressive performance. But, um, you know, there was a lot of whistle. There was a lot of whistle. Outside of playing that different structure and coming off the body and playing a box or a zone what what do the diamonds need to do to get keep themselves in play while well, still playing the Australian style of defense yeah it, to be honest I don't know if you can continually play that one-on-one defense mm. I just don't think you can do it anymore we can whinge all we like about the umpires and it's not going to change it like mm. unless you know international netball change the rules it, they're not going to change it we just need to suck it up and yeah. I think sometimes a lot of our penalties are like just really like tiny little ones that are happening Reaching yeah, little, in yep. the circle mm-hmm. that we just don't go for that ball. You know, put the pressure on, have your body there, be there, pushing them kind of into the uh, the top mm-hmm. of the circle, but you're not getting your hand around because you know that's what the umpires mm-hmm. are going to call. And on the shot, some are just little obstructions on the shot that are going to go in anyway. You know, if they're under the post, just let them go in a way. You're there yeah. for the rebound. You can't really make a difference on what's happening mm-hmm. um, for the shot. But, you know, also think about connections because I thought – I didn't think it was too bad a job by the Aussie defenders. And Ash Brazel coming back yeah, into the lineup. Yeah, so line-up, I was going to ask about her. She... I thought that was – I thought she did a great job. I think – don't underestimate the connection, though, because it's going to take a little yes. while to build that. Yeah. So I would love to see Lisa Alexander put out a starting seven and just let it go for a whole game, see what happens. Like whoever you think is your strong starting seven, just let it go. Mm-hmm. Let that team grind it out. Let them build more of that connection with each other because especially defensively, there's such a power in knowing what each other's going to do and being able to have that kind of intuition with each other. And that's what I want them to hopefully... And really, across those four players, um, if you put Paige Hadley there, who was that starting centre, there's no... No combinations No combinations, is there? That they really have spent any time together at all. So, And this, for me, is a little bit about what this 
series is about. And we heard a lot from the Diamonds around, you know, going for uh, revenge, not redemption, because you can never redeem yourself from what's happened over the last couple of years, but a bit of revenge. So certainly it was really important for them, but it, it may take time with those new players coming in. Who do you want to see in the goaling end for game two today? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think I think I would probably stick with what was started with. I thought that potentially introducing Tegan Phillip into that circle might have just changed it up completely. She's a very different player to who was in the other three goalers that yeah. we've got to choose from. Um, and I thought that, that could have added something. So I don't know whether you'd start with that, but I would I would be definitely looking to introduce that at some stage just to give the New Zealand defence something else to look at. And we do know when Tegan is up and about that she will take those long shots and that's, too. And that's right. And um, give them, what about Laura I don't Sher- know why I think I'm an expert in the goal. Oh, yeah, go. Well, <laughs> take all your long what shots, you guys. Um, no, I think I would like to see Gretel back at shooter. Yeah, and that's... potentially yeah. Tegan out at goal attack. Just give it a go. But then I'm being a bit hypocritical because I said leave a seven on for the whole game. So, <laughs> I don't know what's going And on. I just did want to mention uh, Laura Sherry and yeah. uh, she's the oldest player to ever make her debut for the Australian <laughs> Diamonds. What a story she has had uh, and her form for the Sunshine Coast Lightning, particularly in this past season, but in the last few seasons, y- you just couldn't ignore it. I-, I think particularly this year and so much is spoken about Laura Langman. Yes. Um, but I just thought the way that Laura Sherian brought that ball through and delivered into the circle this season and even when she came into that game uh, on the weekend was really impressive. I agree. And I think it's a really good story of just persistence and that, you know, I remember her when she was only 18 and the one skill she had over every other play was she could throw just as well with her left and right hand. And she would always practice that. And that's what made up for her, I guess, lack of height that she was quick and she could use both hands. So, you know, to any player out there who, you know, is thinking, oh, maybe I won't make it. Maybe I'm too old now. Like you just honestly, if you keep doing the hard work and keep proving yourself eventually they can't ignore you the opportunities can come up now we will speak a little bit more about the constellation cup when jane woodlands thompson uh, joins us very shortly but i just wanted to touch on some of the signings um, and movement that have happened in um, the ssn Uh, The Firebirds have done a bit of a raid on Victoria, actually. So Rudy Ellis, who is a young defender who originally from New South Wales but has been in the Victorian system for a little while, heads up there, as does Lara Dunkley, who we saw a couple of times with the Vixens as a replacement player. Um, And Inna Marie Fent has gone up there. The big one, of course, that we were all waiting for, Laura Langman has re-signed for the Sunshine Coast Lightning. I'm so excited about that. (laughs) We've just heard word through um, very recently that Maria Folau will not be a part of the SSN next year, which is uh, disappointing but hardly surprising. Yeah, not surprising at all. Yeah. And Um, I'm not a waste either. I saw on Twitter people saying, was it a waste Adelaide Thunderbirds having her this year? Not at all. Not at all. They were very competitive and she would have – you know, she formed a great combination with Glasgow and I think you know, Glasgow would have learned a lot from playing with her. So I think it's only been a benefit. Definitely. And the other probably big ones is Kate Eddy moving from the Swifts down yeah, to the Melbourne Vixens, the Vixens to replace Renee Ingalls. Um, and also Kayla Cullen uh, coming into that Swifts lineup as a replacement there. So that is a massive one. And the other one I was really excited about was Maddie Brown re-signing with the Magpies, which we were all not kind of too sure about. So Quickly, B, because we do need to get on we to our to guests. Who, who comes out well out of the re-signings and who's, who's kind of set themselves up well for next year? Well, I think um, definitely 
I think the Vixens, have, smartly, I think, you know, that was the key that you needed was the wing defence position. I think Kate Eddy is one that is just ready to go. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, for me, Sunshine Coast Lightning, who, what, have no changes now, do they? No, like, I don't think so. They've got the exact same team as what they had last year. I think year. that's correct. And yes, that's, I think that's scares correct. me a lot. <laughs> 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 Even though they've got a, a new coach, I still think they're probably the ones to be able to keep a 10 the same. That's pretty powerful. And isn't that impressive that they lose Nolene Tarua as a coach? Um, Kylie Byrne comes on board. She's been the assistant coach, but there's obviously a lot of respect for her from those players because they have, they've retained everyone and that is very exciting and again it's about that connection and they've already got it so already got it watch out watch out so um we will get on to our guest uh bianca i'm very very excited to be chatting to her um it's jane woodlands thompson who is the gm of female uh women's sport at collingwood and also the new specialist coach for the silver ferns Welcome back to the Inner Circle podcast. Cheryl McMahon and Bianca Chatfield with us and we are very excited to be joined by Collingwood's General Manager of Women's Sport and the Silver Ferns Specialist Coach, Jane Woodlands-Thompson. Jane, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, guys. I I mentioned uh, before the break that um, quite a few people were asking me, what's Jane (laughs) doing on the bench of the Silver Ferns? So... Can you tell us? Well, how did this how did this come about? It seemed like it was a little bit out of the blue. This position, yeah, hundred percent. It was out of the blue. That's exactly how it was. Uh, it was the week of the Suncorp Super Netball Grand Final, and um, Noel's uh, gave me a call and said, "What are you doing in October?" Uh, and I thought she was ringing to say, "You haven't wish, rang to wish me luck yet." And I was <laughs> going to ring it back, um, but uh, yeah, she said, "Look, do you want to come and work with the Ferns, uh, Deb Fuller?" who did the World Cup campaign, who's the uh, the assistant, is taking a break for Constellation Cup. And Noel's was looking for um, some experienced coaches to come in and, and uh, you know, just bring some new ideas in um, in this campaign after their successful World Cup. So she asked if I was interested. Also, Yvonne Willering, um, who's, you know, a New Zealand legend here. Oh, yes. And I've had thought, a lot of experience yeah. with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I ran that past our CEO, uh, Mark Anderson at Collingwood, and he said, look, great, great idea for expanding your learning, going into a world-class performance. The way, you know, they do things here is, is a little bit different, and it's wonderful to, to experience that. So, yeah, I was um, got the support of Mark, and here I am. So what is your relationship with Knowles? Have you guys known each other for a long time, like, or, or was it a complete random call out of the blue? <laughs> no, we have known each other a long time. Um, we coached against each other. In the old Magic and T-Bird days, oh, yeah. right at the start of A and Z champs, and I think across those first six years, we must have played each other in finals about four, four of them. So we had this great rivalry, and uh, I've always admired Noel so much and, and what she can bring and, and get out of uh, every player that she has in her care. And uh, it's it's an absolute pleasure and a privilege, privilege to be working with her. And um, yeah, I've already learned so much, and uh, it's, it's great. Um, coaching on the same side of the bench as her and not the other end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's, uh, that's a good one. We always hear so much about how amazing she is. Um, so we can certainly see the attraction. When, when you were tossing up whether or not to take this role, was there any thought to the potential conflict of being involved in a, a club here in Australia and coaching in New Zealand for the Silver Ferns? 
No, look, you look at all angles of it and you also look at perception as well. And I'm not coaching anymore. I stepped away from T-Birds a few years ago, then went back to education and, and then fell in love with Aussie Rules Footy when um, AFLW came in and I did a little bit of work um, in that space for the commission in, in SA and also um, for the Adelaide Crows. And then uh, as my tenure for Westminster School Education, setting up the high-performance sport back in that school setting was coming to an end. Um, the Collingwood job popped up and I thought, wow, this is absolutely incredible and uh, it's such a wonderful club to be at and a huge job, but one I'm learning every day and really enjoying. So I'm much more in that uh, sports management, sports admin space now and hadn't given a thought to go back to coaching, to be super honest. So, yeah, this is a little bit out of the blue and um, I think, look, we see it all the time, don't we? Not just in netball, but globally. Soccer coaches particularly, you know, going across different countries from where they're from and we've seen even in our comp at home Knowles coaching for Sunny Coast Lightning we've got Tanya Robbs who's coaching with England and you know the amount of players that are playing in SSN from from everywhere else and I think that's part of the growth of netball to be able to take a little global approach a bit more of a global approach there and um, you know sort of get some learnings across different uh, different cultures and different systems and uh, it's been a great thing for for world netball I think to have that that um, I guess diversity. Now you're back on the bench. Does it give you those kind of feelings that you want to have another crack at coaching again or get back into that role? Or, you know, there could be some future international coaching well, jobs yeah, coming up, we hear. There's a potential one over the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not something I've thought about. I mean, I absolutely love my job at Collingwood and, and that's the space I'm in now. And uh, look, I, to be honest with you, if you could package up match day and getting on the court at training and just doing that, 100% back <laughs> but for me having done eight years with the, the T-Birds as head coach and also um, where I clearly didn't read the fine print a general manager of high performance at the same time I had 16 years and uh, you know I was done I, I had enough um, I'd never say retire because I still love coaching but just for that head coach position I think is you know it, it does take a lot out of you and, and my family growing up and they're moving in different directions in their sport around the world. So it's not something that I uh, have on my radar to go back into full-time, though. Okay, so you've you've had the experience over there for a short amount of time in the Silver Ferns camp. Give us a little bit of insight. What was it like? Uh, you know, we've all kind of watched on um, and marvelled at the way they were able to turn things around following not meddling at the Commonwealth Games and to world champions now and then being able to just play those moments really well, which they did on the weekend and getting that one goal win. T- tell us what what strikes you most about the Silver Ferns team and culture. Yeah, great question. Um, there's just so much humility and respect in the camp and the culture here. And I think that starts from the top. And uh, Jen Wiley's done a fantastic job as CEO um, of Neville New Zealand and turning things around, not just uh, as the flagship program for the Silver Ferns, but for the franchises and, and all the underpinning programs below that to, to, you know, really get a, a great model in place. And geographically, they're small enough to be able to have you know, that happen, um, that, that they can be really well connected. And there's some great plans uh, for the future, and that looks super healthy over here. And I think with the Ferns, I'd probably best describe it as they're on a journey to sustainable excellence. It's more about them and, you know, being able to, I guess, replicate a little bit what Australia's always been able to have that sustainable success. And the Ferns have hit it, um, you know, often and, and well. And I think now they're, they're on a journey to get that sustainable excellence. And it's, it's very much um, looking at themselves and, and what they can improve. And even after the first test, 
the other night, which was a, a great result for the ferns. Uh, you know, there's just so much that's come out of that in, in the days following that we know we can improve on and, and their dedication and commitment to that, you know, personal excellence for the players and the staff, but that, you know, excellence as a team and as an organisation for the ferns. So it's, it's really... A uh, fascinating journey to, to be on with them. Well, when you have been reflecting on that game one, without get, giving all the details away, obviously, where where did you see that it was won and lost? Yeah, it's um, looking at it several times since. I think um, <laughs> we played a really good possession game. I think you know it might not have been pretty for either team in patches, and then there were you know some some good consistent patches of excellence as well. But I think uh, Fern's ability to to hang on to it and keep possession and really treasure it when it counted, and I think particularly illustrated by that last minute, um, you know, tried to push forward. If it wasn't there, then they were very sure about passing back and and passing across square to to fill up to make sure that the main thing was we kept possession. So I think that was probably just a little bit steadier in the end and and a few less changes, um, I think, really, you know, helped them build into those combinations and those trusts. And, of course, you know, we're rebuilding that defensive unit without the great Casey Kopua, and that's no easy feat as well. And going into Game 2, which is tonight, what do you think Australia may do differently to try and get the win? I think they'll probably be looking at some changes of personnel a little more than too many tactical changes. Um, I guess the goal circle has been sort of much debated and, and speculated upon. So, uh, yeah, I think there may be a, a change up in, in selection in that goal circle. Also, you know, goalkeeper, I think Clough and Bruce, they both bring so much to that role and something a little bit different. And that might be something that, that the selectors will look at there. And, um, you know, they do have that flexibility across the midcourt. We did see some rotation there. So I think that, you know, I guess after World Cup and after Game 1 of Cons Cup not going the, the way they wanted to, I, I think they'll make change and, and it's up to us to be prepared um, to leave no stone unturned in that in that um, prediction, I guess. And I think when you're preparing the goal circle for Australia, it's completely different if you've got bat it and tip it on. It's very much that high game and shooting under the post. And if you bring, uh, you know, uh, Tegan Phillip into that, it's a really open circle and... Um, it can have quite a different look. So I think our defence will have to be prepared to, to make some tweaks there. James, it sounds like you've actually been listening in to what we've been discussing yes. before oh, we rang we you. We could be coaches, Cheryl. <laughs> 100%. You're both really good. <laughs> I just, just quickly before we let you go, uh, what do you do when the New Zealand national anthem is playing? Do you sing along? <laughs> Another great question. You guys are on the ball today. <laughs> now, I've been asked that question quite a lot. Oh, have you? Actually. And so I made a decision having arrived at midnight the night before Test 1 and having met uh, 10 of the, te- the 12 that I'd never met before on the day of the game. Right. I, I didn't realise that. So you, you hadn't yeah, yeah, worked no. with them beforehand? No, no, no. Only uh, only Ria, Tutaya, and yeah, right. uh, sorry, Falau, and also uh, Mickey Stockelich. Okay. So I had yep. a year over here at East Six and had the pleasure yeah. of working with both of those. Uh, and so, yeah, I hadn't met any of the other girls. I'd obviously coached against Laura Langman and uh, some of their more prolific players over many years, but never had actually worked with a bit of team environment. So a bit of a baptism of fire and a, <laughs> a quick learning and um, then, bang, we're out there for the national anthem. So totally felt I hadn't actually earned my stripes 
thing in other countries. <laughs> and, uh, I was there. I was smiling along. I actually do know all the words. I can't say I know the words for both versions, but I absolutely know one version. Uh, yes. And uh, I was uh, looking at Braz. I think she was having a bit of a chuckle. And they're smiling. And uh, I was looking at her doing the Aussie anthem and smiling back. So a little bit of Collingwood banter across the line. Uh, yeah. Hey, Jane, I just actually, before we do let you go, I did want to ask you about Collingwood and the challenges that exist there, obviously. Um, a bit of a change in personnel for, for next year with a couple of pregnancies, which is very exciting. Um, what do you see as, as the biggest challenges there and how do you turn this um, around from, you know, this year obviously just making it into finals, heading out in that first week to, to going through an extra couple of steps? Yeah, uh, look, we uh, obviously had a, a big year with a couple of ACLs and um, pregnancies. Yes. And of course, uh, Ash, Brad and Brooke are expecting their first child soon too. So they actually had three pregnancies. So I'm not sure our family planning education is working super well at the moment. <laughs> you uh, may need to do some work there. We might have to do some work in that space. But, you know, that, that gives opportunity. And I know um, Kimmy Rabb's keen to, to come back after her and Adam uh, bring their little one into the world. And, uh, yeah, we've been lucky enough to, to do some really good global scouting, of course, looking at our, our local talent first. It's been great that Melissa Bragg will be promoted into the 12, uh, having been a, a training partner. And, um, you know, she comes up from Geelong and has made some, some pretty big sacrifices to her career just to give netball a go. Uh, and so it's delightful to see Braggy up there as a Victorian. Uh, and also Jodie Ann Ward, who has played for the Seven Stars in the Vitality Super League. She comes in um, from, from Team Jamaica uh, and will be really, I think, an X factor back with uh, young Tilly Garrett, who'll come on next year. And, and you know, of course, with Diva Mentor, solid as ever at the back. So I think they're the, the two changes that will be uh, a different look and feel for the Pies. Uh, and you know, we, we just look to get better every year and learn from, um, you know, if we had any personnel changes. But it was more forced ones this year, guys. Yeah. It, it wasn't really uh, having to cut anyone at all. It was, uh, okay, we're having kids, we're out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it goes, yeah. So, that, And we wish you all the very best with that because it does seem like quite a nice little balance of some really great experience and some youth coming through. So all the very best uh, for Collingwood for next season and uh, obviously for the Silver Ferns. I don't think we can wish you all the best, no, though, for that. I think we can wish you all the best. No, <laughs> sorry about that, Jane. No, we can agree to just, uh, just follow out. <laughs> just, <laughs> just go well. <laughs> yeah, go well. Have a nice couple of days. Uh, Enjoy Uh, Auckland. uh, Yeah, enjoy Auckland. Uh, Enjoy the trip back to uh, Australia when you come back over here for Game 3 and 4. We're very much looking forward to watching the game tonight and seeing how it all plays out. And we know that you've kind of pulled yourself out of training to join us today, so we really do appreciate your time um, and can't wait to see how it all plays out. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, that was a fascinating chat with Jane Woodlands-Thompson, who, of course, is Collingwood's GM of women's sport, and she's balancing that with a specialist coaching role with the Silver Ferns. And really great to hear her insight as to the hows and whys that she came to, to the decision to do that. Yeah, and also just randomly getting a call from Knowles going, hey, <laughs> what are you doing in October? Um, oh, not much. <laughs> but, I mean, I must admit, I hadn't actually thought about the kind of PD side of it for yes. Jane. Yeah, um, of you know, I was just thinking, oh, maybe she wants to get back into coaching. Um, but 
yeah, I think it would be an amazing opportunity to go into not just the Silver Ferns, but she spoke about what the CEO is doing over there with New Zealand Netball. And, you know, I think there's a lot of learnings that, you know, we can all get out of other teams and other countries and how they do things. So, you know, I actually think it's quite a clever move. Definitely. And fascinating that she arrived the night before I game know. one. I actually, because I saw the interview with Amelia Ann Ekinazio and someone, yes. they did ask her about the influence that Jane had had. And <laughs> when she was a little bit non-committal, and I thought, well, that's interesting. That's why, because she she'd literally her met her that morning. So um, how do you that was go though? Too. Like, I know we're probably elaborating too much, but how do you go if you're the special shooting coach? You haven't really met the girls. You only know a couple of them. You're sitting on the bench for the first time in a test match. What feedback do you give the girls at quarter yeah. time and half time when you're not probably even aware of the systems and the game plan? And Yeah, it's really interesting because I think most of the work that you do as a coach at this level is done in the weeks leading up to that, uh, whatever game yeah. it is, or the week leading into the game. And really on match day when you're on the bench, it's more reminders and hints and tips about what has worked in the past and so yeah I, I don't the answer is I don't know oh Maria oh, just take that baseline drive and Maria's like um oh, no I'm not allowed on the baseline yeah, yeah. oh sorry sorry <laughs> okay don't worry about that actually Marie can probably do whatever the heck she wants do really. you know what I really like from a commentary point of view the falau on clow I think that's a great <laughs> little combination <laughs> falau on clow well will we see that Tonight, Bianca, what what do you think that Lisa Alexander-Jane alluded to it in our chat that she expects that there'll be a bit of personnel change? What what do you think that Lisa Alexander will go with for the starting lineup? Uh, I think we're going to see Courtney Bruce come onto the court at goalkeeper. I think this is this is my team, okay? <laughs> I'd go Bruce onto Weston, uh, onto Brazel. I'd have... Paige Hadley in the centre, Lizzie Watson back on wing attack. Uh, I'd have Tegan Phillip at goal attack and Gretel Tippett at goal shooter. Okay. I know that's a bit random and I'm still not really going with the connections because there's not many combinations going on that have played a lot together. Um, But I would like to see that on the court and then see it build. Yeah, right. Well, very good. Sherelle, what about you? Yeah, You can't just sit there and not give me your stuff. Can I? Oh, I thought that that's what I could do. Um, I actually, I was probably a little bit surprised in game one that Courtney Bruce didn't come into the game just to change up what the New Zealanders were looking at. Because Clow was doing a great job, but I think Bruce just has this aggression to her that they probably needed out there just to shake it up a bit. Yeah, just to change it up. Get a Uh, few more penalties. Yes, maybe. (laughs) So that I would, in terms of the changes from uh, the game on the weekend, starting seven, that would be the change I would make there. Um, I'd... I'm not sure whether Laura Sherian's ready for the starting wing attack, but possibly. I kind of like the work that Liz Watson does in this lineup in centre. I think mm. that that's where she played her best netball um, over the last couple of times. So maybe that. Um, and I would stick with the same same shooting lineup, but probably introduce uh, more movement into that at some stage in the game. Yeah. Okay. Well, exciting times. Yes. <laughs> now, we are definitely going to be back next week. Yes, we are. So <laughs> we will be watching the games and we'll bring you all of what we think next week and as well as another guest. Not sure who it is yet, yes, but we'll so, have another guest and with us. So let us know. If you've got someone in mind that you think might be interesting to chat to next week, let us know. We'll do our yeah. very best to get them on board. But thanks for tuning in again. Um, please feel free to rate us, as always. I think we've still got the one uh, four-star rating, all others five stars. So, you know, if you're feeling a five-star rating, bored, go ahead. Jump go on. Ahead. Give us five stars. Thanks for joining us. And B, we'll do it all again next week. We will. See you next week.